welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar. I'm your co-host, Cece. And I'm Peter, your other co-host. Um, you might have seen our announcement that we basically lost our entire original recording of this episode, and that is why it's late this week. Yeah, we were pr- pretty far away through it, and then, yeah, it was sad. Everyone cried. Everyone. There was a lot of crying. It was frankly embarrassing for everyone, but what can we do? I just had a lot of feelings. Had to buy a new microphone because I cried all over the last one. (laughs) It drowned. It drowned. (laughs) A moment of silence for Peter's old microphone. (laughs) It was sad. (laughs) So, yes, that's our cross to bear, and now it's yours. Yes. (laughs) Exactly. It's all 30 of ours. That's why you exist, to uh, sort of take our burdens. Now I feel better. Peter, do you feel better? I feel better. (laughs) Lighter. My heart is light. Okay, so this week we're talking about Dune, Frank Herbert's, I don't want to say classic. I feel like every episode I'm like, this is a classic. Because <laughs> we've done a lot of classics. We've been doing a lot of classics. Shit. Um, not this week, this coming week, but um, we'll uh, stay tuned for that one. <laughs> oh yeah, for the end. I almost forgot what we were doing for that one. <laughs> yes, indeed. I disagree with your assertion that most modern sci-fi is shit. A lot of the books we've covered are like really new. Yes, I'm aware, but you have no idea the piles of dog shit I've read through just because I want to read more sci-fi. <laughs> like, There's a I lot. I need to know the end of the story, and I wish I wasn't so committed. What do they used to call them? Like, di- dime rags or something? Uh, there used to be a name for, like, the, basically the crappy, poorly written novels you buy in, like, the grocery store or, go, like, checkout lane. Isn't that, like, what literal Pulp Fiction originally was? Really? Is that yeah. what that was? Yeah, like, not, not, uh, the film. Like, I think that's where the term comes from. Okay, just well, like my shitty my paper Kindle, so <laughs> like yeah exactly like cheap like exciting but kind of stupid stories amazon sales fiction that's this modern pulp fiction <laughs> yes right. the the 99 cent kindle books so dude cc first thoughts uh as in my reactions yeah like how did you, how did you feel about the book i liked it very much when i the, i started trying to read dune a couple years ago and I was not enough of a reader at that time in my life to, like, get past the initial kind of slog that I felt it was. There were so many terms, mm-hmm. and there was a lot going on, and there was, like, a lot of stuff that wasn't explained to me. And I was like, I can't read a book like this right now. So I gave up pretty quickly. But I am super glad that we decided to cover it, because that gave me an excuse to read it um, anew. And, like, actually have to commit to reading it. And it was it is well worth it to me. It, it was a really, really good book. Really beautiful in the way it's written. Really, really rich story background. Although, I gotta say, the names Paul and Jessica really take me out of the fiction very frequently. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why? No one else has named something boring. I even... Okay, Harkonnen's, like, Vladimir... But even that's, like, whatever. It's at least a cool, normal name. Jessica? For, like, this (laughs) magnificent, (laughs) mystic lady? (laughs) Like, no offense if your name is Jessica, but, like, it's not really the rich fantasy tapestry I was hoping to engage in. And you probably can't see the future, so, like... Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Do you have Jessica's abilities? Probably not. So. Probably, but if you do, sci-fi sci-fi, 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 sci-fi,
Uh, uh, we'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> yeah, love to have you. Kato, what were your thoughts? Uh, so I'm actually the same boat as you. I tried to read this at the beach, which does not, it does not seem like great beach reading. You probably thought sand, dune, <laughs> beach. Yeah, I was like, this is fitting. There's too I much really... water for you to appreciate it. <laughs> Honestly, though. <laughs> so I, I started reading the book. I got about like a third of the way through it and I got to the end of vacation and I stopped reading okay. it and I can't, cause I came home and I was like really busy all of a sudden. And it got to the point where like a week later and I was like, I clearly can't reimmerse myself in this universe. <laughs> You're like, Oh, I've already forgotten 90% of this shit, but you hadn't, you just didn't realize that you still didn't know that shit. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. <laughs> cause a third of the way through the book is still exposition. But like, like it's not all that expository. They don't tell you much. They spell almost nothing out. No, you're right. But like, I think it's, I mean, to me, it's like the build up for the the main story. Because the main story is clearly his time with the Fremen and his like his struggle against the Harkonnens, right? That's true. So did you even get past Leto's death? No. Wow. <laughs> I mean, think about how much, like, there is so much. No, that's like a lot of book. I get yeah, it. Yeah, there's that so much book before that. a large fraction of the book. And then Leto dies and it's like, that's the kickoff for the story. <laughs> yeah, that was all prequel. Yeah, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. But I'm kind of glad, because I always enjoy that period in books, like, the happiness before everything goes to shit. Because there's often that moment in books, like, where people's, like, lives are ripped away from them. And I like to live in the happy times, too, for a while. So it, Just like it Game of suits me well. Huh? Like the first Game of Thrones book? Yeah, yeah. You got like, a lot of that. Until like, Ned Stark dies, it's all chill. Yeah, it's all cool. Yeah, spoilers, Game of Thrones. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. That's a spoiler. And Harry Potter defeats Voldemort. Oh, sorry, spoilers. <laughs> the ring is destroyed. Oh, God. Peter, I haven't finished this yet. <laughs> I found those books on my shelf earlier. You should read them. I should. Anyway, moving on. That's not sci-fi. You, did so you finish? Matter. Did you have further thoughts? Um, other than the fact that one of my favorite parts of books and you and i've talked about this before on the show and off the show is like some of the best parts of of reading is the world building and in the rich background of the story yeah and one i felt a little bit cheated that they didn't go more into it but um you mentioned in our first take of this (laughs) how like a lot of the stuff that you and i both were like we need to know more like the cataclysm like the robot war they talk about they were like you pointed out that like that's not something that comes up in normal conversation yeah. They're not like, hey, remember 3,000 years ago when we fought all those robots and had to beat them down and, like, this, this, and this happened? Like, that's yeah, just not exactly. a normal thing that happens. So, like, we exactly. talk about how, like, it doesn't, we don't know how long ago it was, and that's because it's not something people talk about. Right. And I was, you know, that's frustrating to me, but also, like, from a storytelling perspective, I absolutely understand it. It comes up about as often as the Ice Age. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't say you're going, like, you know, oh, remember, um, Babylon? Babylon was cool, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Sick. We don't spend a ton of time, like, dwelling in the ancient history that built our world. Like, we all learn about it, but it's not, you know, it doesn't come up a lot. Yeah, so that was a good point from you. Uh, kudos to you. Thank you. And um, that was just frustrating, but I guess I'll get through it. I'm going to be starting. <laughs> you did uh, get through it, clearly. I'm going to be starting, um, what, what's it called? Uh, Dune, Dune Messiah. Messiah. Dune Messiah. I'm starting that tomorrow. Yeah, listeners, if we're doing this in the wrong order, you let us know, because, I don't know. It seems like one of those worlds that the people, that the author, like, wrote a shit ton of books in, and, like, maybe out of order. And I did not do a thorough amount of research into which book I was going to read next. So if there's opinions on that, hit us up. We're not doing Doom Messiah next, but I do read sci-fi books just for fun, so. 
Yes, that too. Yes. Half the time when we do a book, it's because I saw it and it was interesting and we weren't planning on doing it. And I tell Cece, it was on the Audible account because Cece got it because she thought it was interesting. And then <laughs> I vet it and then we come back and do it. Exactly. That's but. a little look behind the curtain for you guys. That's how we did Red Rising. Um, that's not why we did it on the podcast. You, I had read it a long time ago, but you did vet it first. I did, like, download it, but I was so lukewarm about it. And then you read it, and you're like, no, read this book for real, though. Yes, and then clearly it turned out to be one of our favorite series. Uh, yeah, super obsessed with it. Anyway, um, that, we're done with Red so, That was, like, anyway. ten episodes ago. Uh, no, it wasn't. It was, like, two episodes ago. <clears throat> Whatever. Fuck, really? Okay, moving on. So, <laughs> that's how I thought about Dune. It was an awesome story. I wish there was more fleshed out kind of the universe, but I understand why there wasn't. That's why there's, like, eight sequels. Are there really? I think so. Yeah, I think it's a pretty big world. Fuck, this sounds like Ender's Game. Uh, I'm hoping not. Well, I hope it's I'm hoping it's not. like that up until the Christmas book. <laughs> I just choose to ignore that one exists, but... <laughs> oh, man. Anyway. So, Cece, what's, uh, what's one of your favorite parts of the Like, uh, one of your favorite features of the book? Uh, well, Peter, you and I had a really interesting conversation about the role of prophecy in this universe. Um, when we recorded our other episode. So let's let's delve into that. And if it sounds rehearsed, it's because it was. <laughs> it's because we practiced accidentally. <laughs> but no, I I really think that the way they do prophecy is really interesting and believable in a way that prophecy almost never is. Like I'm almost like whenever prophecy's in a story, I'm like, oh yeah, so that's like magical shit, whatever. In this book, like it's kind of mystical. But maybe it's because there's a root cause of it. Maybe it's because it's, like, a world that exists where humans are, like, the thinking computer machines. But mm-hmm. it, it seems like the the way that prophecy works could almost be, like, a computation on the part of the prophet. Like, the prophet seeing all these, like, strings of future that are, like, possibilities and, like, ranking them about likelihood and seeing how each decision, like, brings him down a path of the tree and then, like, uh, erases all the other possibilities on the other paths. And the way it's, like, sort of variable but also still viewable is so fascinating to me and so refreshing because I feel like prophecy is the same way in every other... Or it's it's a it's it's same other way <laughs> in all other media with prophecy. Yeah, it's always like there's a prophecy that's vague enough where a ton of different eventualities can kind of result in it. Right. Or like the idea that, you know, that no matter what the characters do, there's still the same outcome. Um yes. I'm gonna bring it up again, but in the Magnus Chase series, uh Heroes of Asgard or something. Something like that. Lo- Loki, the character in there, talks about how he basically he was explaining to Magnus why in some cases he's not against the gods even though he's fated to fight against them like prophecy the big picture never changes but the details can are a personal choice right but in most cases in prophecy in these kind of series it's all there's really not a whole lot of the individual choice doesn't really play in the equation you know, usually it's not that important. It just it ends up happening anyway. And usually in yeah, trying to stop this... prophecy, it happens anyway. That's why it happens. Yeah, you're just hurtling towards this moment that you know is going to happen no matter what you do. And, like, 
all the time you read the front sentence like, oh, you know, it's like foolish to try to prevent prophecies from happening because they'll just happen anyway. Or like that brings about the prophecy. Like freaking that's so Raven, you know what I mean? It would always be like she exactly. had a vision and then <laughs> she, you know, tried to prevent it from happening. And that's why it happened. <laughs> it's like this weird sort of feedback loop. Yeah, exactly. And so that's like a very frustrating and not very just narratively interesting way to do it but the way they do it in here where it's he can see the eventualities and like you said like it's cutting off a limb of a tree and all those branches are gone and he starts to narrate on the possibilities is extremely cool yes but it also kind of changes the psychology for them that's very true like um at one point he's talking to jessica about how his decisions are no longer the, as they were before. Like, his morality is now completely different than a normal human's. After he... Oh, I'm sorry. I forget the name. But what, what does he become? The Kwisa Tadarak? The Kwisa Tadarak. After he becomes the Kwisa Tadarak and he, he drinks the water of life and all that, which is kind of an ironic name, he <laughs> is saying that, like, what is cruelty when you've seen the greatest cruelty? What What is... And we had two days. I should have looked up the, the exact words. <laughs> I have the Dune book right behind me on the shelf. But, you know, what is cruelty when you've seen the greatest cruelty? What is compassion when you've seen the greatest of compassion? Like, his view of morality has changed. So what are these little details when he could, you know, in, in his mind, he could start a jihad relatively easily? Like, what is killing one man to prevent it? What is casting someone out to prevent it? Yeah, that's so it's true. Kind of, his viewpoint on his actions becomes completely different after he he starts being able to you know, have that providence. Yes, I agree. Do you think that the reason that it's so complex in this book is because this book is technically sci-fi, not fantasy? Because every all the other times you see fantasy, it's pretty... Or, excuse me, all the other times you see prophecy, it's pretty much always in a fantasy media. Yeah, I think so, because... That's kind of that fits in the the fantasy tropes, but it doesn't really fit in the sci-fi tropes. Yeah, like don't look too closely at it. It's it's magic, and we're all like, yeah, it's magic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. In this case, he's basically getting high and seeing the future. So. Yeah, but again, it's like, it almost seems like he's he's calculating the future. He's like, yeah, he's seeing visions, but it, it seems like it's almost more him determining what the outcomes could be of each action he takes. So I agree with that to an extent, but also there's a lot of information he doesn't have. That's true. But that's also... Sorry. Like like with the Mentats, you know, the logic machines, um, they need that, you know, uh, Howard is constantly talking about how you have to give me the, you have to give me details, you have to give me information, or I will not be able to predict a good outcome for you. Right. So Howard is constantly harking on how much he needs you know that that data but it seems like the Kwisatadrak doesn't really need it it doesn't seem like the reverend mothers need it that's can be, true i get the feeling that they could be sitting in like a temple somewhere and they'd be able to divine some branches of the future um maybe i don't know because they also have that weird like collective consciousness thing the reverend mothers well, I don't think that's the right word for it. I don't think collective you don't think is that? right. 
Okay. No, because that that almost past, defi- describes like a high consciousness. Mind. Yeah, definitely yeah, like you're a, right. a stream of like a lineage of consciousness. Or so, like that's not a good forty. Like, hang on, like the Avatar. Like the Avatar. <laughs> and when they see the future, that's the Avatar state. Yes, exactly. And We've the Crusoe's Hatterack is just in the Avatar state all the time, I guess. Crusoe's Hatterack is full-time Avatar state. It's sick. Can I tell you? It sounds like it sucks. Oh Paul's my God, life yes. sounds so fucking stressful. Yeah, Paul's Even if he wasn't waging war. Oh my God. Because all he's doing is, like, as far as he's concerned, he's barely fighting a war. Because what he sees in his head is full-on jihad across the, sol- like, across the galaxy. Yeah, he's like, that's a war. This is, a, you know, a little, this is a police fight, action. little bickering between friends and future family. Yeah, you know. And future family. <laughs> well, always family, but you didn't know that. Oh, yes, I guess that's definitely true. You learned that pretty early, though, I think. Because, again, you feel like you've read a whole book by the time... They get to the desert. Yeah, really. You <laughs> but you have early on in the storyline. You learned that about three quarters of the way through the book, though. So the story progresses really, really quickly because it goes from like him just chilling with Leto, getting his lessons, learning how to run a planet, living that boy life. Yeah, just just a normal boy life. <laughs> to him kicking around the desert, young love, all that. To um, him killing Phaedralfa and threatening the emperor. And it seems like it just, like, I remember, like, I was driving home from a school I was at, listening to the audiobook, and I was, like, I was, you know, going by the tempo of the story, and I was like, oh, okay, I'll probably be finishing this around when I get home. I'm, like, 30 <laughs> minutes into the drive, and it's over. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's true. Once it gets to the end game, it's like, bang, 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 it's over. <laughs> you know, we realize it. Like, it you would think like that that, this- like, open war would last a little longer. Like, considering yeah. we said the whole book building to it, but no, it was like, yeah, you know, it was a war, whatever. We had worms. What were the fuck were they going to do? It's over. <laughs> <laughs> Desert power. Desert power. Can I tell Jesus. you, I love the idea of Desert power. I I hate the name, but I absolutely <laughs> understand the sentiment. No, Actually, like, let's, no, sense, no. let's throw another Avatar The Last Airbender reference in here. <laughs> they you actually... Remember? I feel like the the sandbenders were totally inspired by. Oh, see, see, I was literally about to say that. I, yes, yes. Outfits, like, like Aang, weird Katara, separate culture. Well, and Katara, like they were all like, psh, not that powerful out there. They were not doing a great job. The sandbenders are out here fucking shit up. That's true, and you know what, Peter? Sokka drank the water of life from a cactus. Oh my God, Sokka's the Reverend Mother. <laughs> He's Sokka the Kwisak Tadarak. Sokka is the Kwisak Tadarak. You know, a lot of that story now makes a lot more sense. Uh, yeah, I think so. This is my running, this is not <laughs> my theory. That Sokka is the Kwisak Tadarak? I'm rewatching that series from that moment onward to see if it makes more sense. <laughs> um, that series made perfect sense. It was perfect in every way. I don't know what you're talking about. Alright, but like, maybe it's a little bit better. Maybe. Right, it could be on. enhanced, for sure. I wish we had done a podcast where we could do an episode on Avatar The Last Airbender, but no, we picked sci-fi. <laughs> Damn it, what's wrong with us? We're such screw-ups. <laughs> Can't do anything right. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway. So um, speaking of the phenomenal mental powers of the people in the Duneverse, as I call it, as of right now. 
Um, and, and only you call it. And only I call it. Uh, I really like the concept of Mentats. I just find that endlessly fascinating. That, like, there was this weird, obscure war that nobody talks about because it happened so fucking long ago, no one cares anymore, where it was it was the singularity. Like, they had the singularity. And yeah, won. they had a singularity. Yeah, exactly. And they won, and they were like, cool, humans overall now, fuck computers, we're done. And basically decided that humans could become computers like they could elevate their intellect to that point and i think that's kick-ass because like this was decades ago that this was written but today we just keep handing off more and more intellectual functions to computers like we don't even try to remember what things are anymore we just google them yeah absolutely and um that's kind of a really cool thing and my question here though is that are mentats produced through genetic breeding alone or is there like a they figured out a psychological way to do it because it seems like it could be just like a, a school they figure out like a, a curriculum that worked because they talk a lot about how uh do- dr i want to say something again if i know the names from starcraft what's the doctor's name dr yui yui i, I was gonna say naruto like i know that starcraft <laughs> dr yui's like conditioning he had imperial conditioning which made it impossible for him to turn right we should have like that that seems pretty clearly to be like a psychological you know a psychological conditioning not like a genetic trait but also conditioning yeah so are mentats made or do they have to be born with certain traits then made i thought they were made for a while because of the way um harkonnen talked to piter like he, call, he kept calling him, like, a creature in the skin of a man and stuff. And I'm like, do they, like, summon Mentats? Like, summon them, like, from the beyond? You, no, I didn't know. I was like, who knows? Anything's possible. I was very thrown by how Mentats were created, basically, until um, <clears throat> Leto told Paul that he thought that Paul could be a Mentat. And Paul's like, oh, no, but don't you have to train for birth? And he's like, you uh, have been training from birth, so... <laughs> Do you want to keep going, or? <laughs> no, wait, he wasn't talking about being the Mentat. What? Where? When Leda was talking to Paul. No, Paul, no, Leda was straight up, like, you could be a Mentat Duke. That would be ass kickery. Oh, that's right. Okay. No, wait, Cece, I think you're... I'm right. It's okay. I don't... We can I don't... move on. All right. I don't think you are, but okay. <laughs> what do you, what do you think I'm misremembering? Never mind, it doesn't matter. Moving on. Okay, so right. on the flip side, we've got the, the Benny Jesuit. Yes. <laughs> Who are like equally intellectually um powerful, I guess. Definitely not a force to be taken lightly. Although most Certainly people seem not. to. Although they're sneaky about it. Yeah, because they're subtle. Like everyone knows mentats like exist to be conniving. Right, and everyone knows women are weak. And yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially in the fifties or whenever this book was written. Um, I think so, it was written like the sixties, but it's kind of like it was written in the nineteen tens. So a little bit. No, it's not that bad. There, are, there are very powerful women in this book. You're right. There are, but none of them are powerful by their own like position. They're powerful because you know they associate. To- Proximity with the Duke, proximity with the Emperor, because they can see the future, which regardless is going to make you pretty powerful. Yeah, wait, straight up. Like, so, Jessica not a whole was lot of... bred by the Bene Gesserit, 
Oh, sorry. Did I just talk right over you? Our connection's bad. It's fine. Carry on. Okay. (laughs) Well, you know, it's the connection. It's not me being a dick. Um, Okay, so Jessica was straight up bred by the Bene Gesserit, like, born into their, you know, tutelage, trained from birth, and then, quote-unquote, bought by Leto? Yeah, no. Well, it wasn't by Leto. I think it was by, like, Howard or something. Uh, it was by someone else. It was by to to one, one of Leto's cadre. Y- was it a gift? No, I think or it was, was like, he his, like his dad bought her. Maybe someone else. And that's why she hates him. That's another Leto. thing they never explore. She like fucking hates Leto's dad like a lot, and they never explain why. She just does. She just hates. Well, they him. talk. They talk about it later how different he was from like Leto. Like. Paul, they say Paul is more like Leto than he's like his dad. And then, like, wait, no. Paul is more like Leto's the Father, third? the old Duke. I think they're like, yeah, the old Duke. Let's go with the old Duke. <clears throat> Paul is more like the old Duke than Leto. Yes. And I think in many ways that comes up only when Paul's being very ruthless or very, you know, taking a, a very almost scorched earth policy route. And that's kind of like a, I think a throw to what the old duke must have been like because leto was not like that leto would do make hard decisions but he very much seemed like a generally wants to do what you know lets his mind rest and you know like jessica would talk about a lot how leto had his softer moments and leto was like a good genuine man and paul when he's acting ruthlessly is compared more to the old duke maybe that's why jessica hated him um but jessica didn't hate paul you know like she was always like yeah go get him son Kick their asses. <laughs> Don't marry well, the woman you love. I'm to for be it. fair. She at that point had had some pretty significant experiences. Because <laughs> imagine, like you know, probably like nineteen year old Jessica, twenty year old Jessica being bought by, let's say for example, she was bought by the old Duke and given to Leto. Like that's a much more different environment than you're coming in and seeing your son go and kick ass and rise to power and all this. Like at that point, you know, you're doing more of a do what you need to do, son, unconditional love thing than a here's a stranger that bought and sold me. Yeah. That's true. And I imagine like years of desert exile would harden a person pretty severely. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. For uh, sure. Seems to be come up a lot, frankly. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the Benny Jesuit are definitely really interesting because it seems, and you and I were talking about this before, all the Benny Jesuit are women. And all the mentats we meet are men. We don't know that there's no female mentats in the world, but it sure seems like if you're a girl with potential, you become a Bene Gesserit. You do not become a mentat. Yeah. That's... Sort of creates a weird dichotomy of, like, skill sets. <laughs> like, yeah, you like know, the women the are really good at logic. manipulating. <laughs> Classic women. And ceremonies. <laughs> And breeding. And breeding. Oh my god, so good at breeding. <laughs> now, to be fair, like they haven't kind of brought, they haven't brought up any biological innovations that made men able to breed. So like that one makes sense. I'll give them that one. Um. And also like yeah, you know, no, I mean, can see the child, fair, that is... and then run away, and like you know, then the the Benny Jesuit can do with that child what they needed to do, like they did with Jessica. Exactly. So like I kind of get that part of the Benny Jesuit power. No, totally, and I'm proud of them for using that power. <laughs> right. Go get um, it, girls. 
And, you know, we all know men are more rational and logical, so it makes sense for them to be men tired, Yes, yes, of course. That's why women are so bad at math. Yeah, men are bad at math, (laughs) but good at emotions. (laughs) And having babies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. But, no, I mean, to an extent, though. What? What? No, no. To an extent what? (laughs) I was saying, to an extent, I, I do appreciate a universe where, like through a different sort of um skill set women are like pretty much equally powerful to men although i don't think that's really true because like it still seems to be a pretty uh pretty patrilineal society like i think that women are still like the wives you know like the the support character to the men in their lives i mean yeah look at the fact that it's considered pretty regular to have not multiple wives but at least multiple women like the yeah a wife and several concubines yeah exactly um the jessica was you know the duke's consort and she wasn't and like she wasn't married because the political reasons because he could have a wife later to firm political marriage right paul at the end who took the princess as his bride even though he gave no love to her which is basically just kofor didn't sleep with her yeah you know, all of his, his devotion like, was given towards his, his desert flower. I will always be a dick to this woman because I love you, Chaney. And she's like, good. Don't even smile at her. And he's like, I won't. Chaney, that's all I ever fucking wanted. You'd be an asshole to a woman for me. But, uh... So <laughs> exactly. It's, it's clearly something that's very entrenched in, the, in this world. Now, you, we talked about before, but, like, do you... I don't think this is a product of, like, the author's own discriminatory beliefs i think it's more so an idea that the author chose to make this world a feudal world the idea that you know feudalism re-evolved in this world post the cataclysm probably i'm thinking early on as a means of survival like whoever was left with the big stick after the war became the emperor and realized that he had to have some sort of local control and he exerted that through his dukes and his barons right so i Going back towards, you know, our own historical experience with feudalism, women were obviously very much the second fiddle to the men. Definitely. So I'm wondering, do you think it's more that? Like, that's why he did it? Or do you think it's more he wrote this book in the 60s and he was sexist? I honestly think it was 60s woke. Okay. Because the women do have, like, they're, they're very powerful figures who are still second tier regardless. You know what I mean? It's like, oh yeah, women have like all these abilities and they can like really bring a lot to the table and like have some like really respectable um, powers, but <laughs> they're women, <laughs> you know? Yeah, they're still not there. Yeah, but I think like at the time, if a man had a wife who was like, he considered his intellectual equal and who he like counseled on his decisions and you know respected in that sense i honestly think that would have been considered really really progressive okay because jessica was she was second fiddle to leto but she wasn't an accessory like he treasured her he treasured her opinions he relied on her in a lot of ways he trusted it more than he trusted his own men Exactly, yeah. Like, above literally anyone else, except maybe Paul, he trusted Jessica. 
You're right, that really speaks to the uh, the power that women have in this world. So you know what? Hey, maybe good for the author, huh? Yeah, good. I honestly, I think it was probably pretty progressive for the time. You know what I think, though? I think it was less so, like, actually... So I think, you know, probably at the time, like, this actual relationship, you know, of uh, the men, you know, question, yeah, asking their wives, like, hey, what do you think about this? I don't think that was that uncommon, but I definitely think it's very much not a thing in pop culture. I think, like, behind closed doors, it's a different story in most cases, but I think the pop culture, mm-hmm. what was considered, like, cool to be out there and saying to the world and, and displaying was not there yet. Yes. That makes a lot of sense. That's probably so, you know. true. I think it's kind of it's it's a it's a cool thing to look at as far as the development of of, of women's you know rights women's prominence and stature in the world, both in the Dune universe and the real one. Yeah, I I agree with that. All right, um, so we beat this one with a dead horse, so let's or we keep being the dead we, horse. We beat these women <laughs> with the dead, dead horse. <laughs> <laughs> like they deserve. Because <laughs> you gave that horse so much beer. Um, <laughs> I do. I want to talk about the structure of this society, though. Because, listen, okay. I, I actually looked a little bit at the appendices today. Did you? I, I was wondering if you did that. I did. Just a little bit. And I found out that the dating convention, you know how our dating convention is, like, before Christ, you know, by, right. like, by old terms, you know? Like, that, yeah. that's, like, the event on which our life is, or our, our like, years are centered. The event in Dune on which the years are centered is the formation of the guild. Or the formation of the guild's monopoly. Oh, shit. Yeah, that's really cool, right? That's crazy. I mean, okay. That tells you a lot. Does that mean that before there was spacefaring before the guild, but they managed to consolidate it all? Well, yeah, because it was, like, with the computers and stuff. And, like, a hundred years after, like, a hundred or so years after the uh, computer war... This is called like the Butlerian Jihad or something like that. Um, the guild got its monopoly. But like, did the guild rediscover a means of interstellar travel, or was there interstellar travel happening by a lot of people, and the guild managed to consolidate? You think? Um, it was unclear. It was sort of okay. like just like a, a comment. Um, but I mean, it, uh, the, what we do know is that basically. The guild is what makes possible high-speed space travel without the use of computers. Right, right. Which is pretty interesting, because I also think about, like, there's got to be someone out there to, trying to develop it again, right? Like, Oh, yeah, you're right. Some, like, disgruntled duke who's, like, pissed off about paying guild rates. Is I don't like, need to mention that. I'm figuring another way to do it. Yeah, yeah I don't need these, yeah, these but, like, guild what would seers to do it for me. It seems like such an I, Well, innate... they'd have to rediscover it. Well, yeah, but, like, how long did it take us to get to, you know, the singularity? Probably thousands of years, but are you telling me there's got to be something left behind? Private libraries, scrap of old tech. That's true. I wonder something. if a future villain will be, uh, like, a weird eccentric duke who's, like... <laughs> who's a collector? Who's a collector, a collector. yes. Oh, man. Maybe. Or maybe he's the protagonist. Hey, maybe. Maybe he's a hero. Bringing back yeah. computers. At least some of them, so we can travel without the fucking guild breathing down our necks. Come on. <laughs> do you think, and I'm backchecking a little here, but do you think that with computers as powerful as they are today, 
Is it conceivable for you to think of a world where a human mind could be as powerful as a computer? Because it makes sense that in like the 60s that was conceivable. What about today? Hmm. Yes, I do. However, I think it would involve some, some probably some forced evolution, probably some drugs, and a lifetime to get dedicated to producing it. Oh, cool. So the Mentats. Yeah, no, like literally Mentats. I think like... <laughs> well, think about it. I think you need mind-focusing drugs, some sort of like basically ad- super-powered Adderall. You would need a shit ton of data, as yes. how it is constantly harping on. Tons of data. You need a good way of inputting the data into the brain. What do you mean? Well, like reading it's inefficient. I guess that's true. The main advantage of computers is that they can read and write so fast. That is true. Good point, Peter. So you, thank you, Cece. Oh, you boy. did it. <laughs> I did good. Go on. Maybe you can have another. Well, so there would have to be some sort of, I would guess, hardware connection or something similar to it. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'd have to figure out specifics, but like, I do think that the human mind could be as powerful because the human mind is still more efficient than computers. There's so much data stored in the brain. Uh, then how do I access it? <laughs> Oh, that's the question, though, isn't it? That's the yeah, real question. That's the question. <laughs> I'm like, the brain's doing so much shit every single day that a computer, and it hasn't, and you know, I don't know, CZ, mine's been going on for 20 years, hasn't turned off yet, haven't had to restart it yet. Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm doing pretty It's running pretty, pretty good. hot, though, like 98 degrees. So. <laughs> yeah, okay. I guess. <laughs> I'm Fine. sorry. I'm sorry if that was a bad joke. <laughs> But anyway. even though it's running hot, you're right. It hasn't caused any problems. Well, I mean, physical ones. There are some emotional ones. <laughs> I don't think that's because of the temperature, though. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, I think it's possible. I think it was definitely would have been easier with 1960s technology. But, um, you know, who knows? Who knows where we can develop? Also, you look at it this way, you know, clearly a long time ago this cataclysm happened. Mm-hmm. They probably spent a long time doing selective breeding, maybe a little genetic engineering, yeah. something to kind of amp it up. So, like, these humans are probably, you know, biologically not really the same as us. Well, They've had so long oh, to develop past us. Oh, you mean the humans in the universe us. as a whole? Yeah, the humans in the yeah, universe. Yeah, no, right. that's certainly true. I mean, yeah, the Bay especially you know, case in point. Especially because we had that sort of evolutionary bottleneck, like only people who were, like, smart enough and strong enough to survive the war against the robots were yeah, a nice able culling. to survive. We had a good old-fashioned culling. <laughs> yes! And that exactly. really helps the evolutionary standards. And honestly, that's why I advocate for a second plague. You know? <laughs> oh, that's terrible and wonderful. Um, what do you think the everyday life is like for people in this universe, though? We don't meet any normal people. Except maybe Fremen, no. but they're not really normal. No, you're right. Like, the Fremen are definitely advertised as super powerful. I, I do wonder about that, because, like, they just, they're so beneath the notice of every single character in this story. Yeah. Other than the fact that they seem to be living in squalor. <laughs> well, on Dune, at least, but I wonder if it's, like, pretty chill on Caladan. It's, I, I get the feeling it is probably pretty chill on Caladan, because every time Caladan is described, it's, like, bountiful natural resources. And it, I, was Lena the Duke of Caladan beforehand? Yes. Is that what happened? Okay. Yeah. So if Lena was, was in charge... If Lena was in charge, he was probably a pretty chill master. He does seem like a cool duke. 
I wouldn't hate it if if we were gonna go back to the feudal system. I wouldn't mind him as my duke. Yeah, no, no, definitely a later for Duke twenty eighteen. <laughs> uh, the agreed. No, but I, when I look at that though, it's like I don't think because later does a lot of stuff early on in his his Duke dumb of of um oh uh, what's it uh, Arrakis. Arrakis. In, early on in his Duke dumb of Arrakis, he like does a lot of stuff that's definitely for the people mm-hmm. and. It doesn't totally seem like he's doing it for, you know, just PR. Like, no. It seems like he genuinely wants to help. Definitely, like, he's like, this looks good, too, but... Cause yeah, but he got, he got genuinely mad when he saw Wasteful Practices. What, when he what now? When he saw Wasteful Practices, like, when they had the whole, um, like, the weird ceremony where they would, like... <laughs> throw water on the ground and then like soak it up and like drip it into people's mouths he was like that's shit why are you doing that that's stupid <laughs> we'll I just like give them water in. how about that i loved how he came in and just started breaking up shit just like, like no fuck all this this is dumb this is useless customs and, and stupid courtesy fuck this water is not cheap let's distribute a little bit yeah share the love i liked that a lot yeah it was very cool I, yeah, no, I like Leto. But yeah. I don't think we can at all assume that most Dukes are as humane as he is. No, definitely not. Like, you know, the Harakins. To have the Harkonnens. Harak- fucking Harkonnens. <laughs> God damn it, anyway. Harakis is what ships. they called Arrakis when they got there. <laughs> <sighs> the Harkonnens. <laughs> uh, the yes. Harkonnens were definitely like D-backs to their people. And they're it, fucking, it came like, up. slave... Uh, Coliseum and the, um, not even that. all the boys it's, he kept raping. It's the um. Oh god, he like killed the stop thousand. raping boys. He what now? Can't stop raping boys. Boys yeah. who look like Paul. Apparently. It's so fucking dark. Fucking weird. So the um, but when, even when the the Duke that was close or the not the Duke, he was a uh, oh, what was he? Uh, he wasn't a Duke. I think they just called him Lord Fenring. Is that who you're talking about? Lord Fenring, but he had, like, another title. Anyway. He's like, there's dukes, there's barons, and there's blank in a feudal system. I don't Doesn't know. matter. I don't really know the difference between a duke and a baron, either. Uh, barons can be in charge of other dukes, but a baron's higher than a duke. Oh, really? Because I was going to say I thought a baron was a bot title and a duke was a hereditary title. Which would partially explain the chip on the Harkonnen's uh, shoulder. That might be true as well. Huh. I could have sworn barons were like, like ranked above dukes. Cause duke is probably the Bible. I'm gonna too, Google huh? it. All right, cool. I'll keep going. <laughs> so you when, talk for a minute. When Fenring, whatever the fuck his title was, was visiting, um, her. Uh, was he an earl? Earl Earl Fenring. I think it was Earl Fenring. Nice. Anyway, when he was visiting uh, the the Harkonnens planet. Harakis? Harakis. What? Harakis? Was that the planet? No, I was making a joke because it sounded like Arrakis. I'm (laughs) Arrakio. That was a pretty solid comeback. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Duke Uh, Duke is the most powerful rank. Duke, huh? Count. Was it a Count Fenring? I don't know. Anyway. It doesn't matter. So the, um, when they were visiting, though, they were talking about how, like, they're on the way into the city, like, there was, like, destitute poverty and shitty things, and as soon as they got a little bit closer in, there was, like, fresh paint on the walls, because 
they didn't, you know, the, the Harkonnens didn't want to be judged poorly by the Emperor and realize how much of a shithole their planet is. Because, like, they just oh, spent yeah, all that was their a fucking good point. money. I had forgotten about that. So, yeah. I don't know. It's, it, <laughs> they're, like, it so like they're... broke. Oh, yeah, like, super broke. Because they just spent 50 years worth of income on, from Arrakis, like, the, the gold mine just, of the fucking Empire. Just to fuck over Leto Atreides. Yeah, you fuckers. <laughs> yeah. The dude it was, was not cool. Very angry for like not a lot of reasons. It would just seemed like a like a ancestral feud. Like there wasn't really any more justification for his behavior than that. And I guess ambition. Like the emperor told him to do something, and he's like, "Oh, I will." Then I'm gonna get mad, Bennies. Right, right, yeah, definitely a, a, a pretty good. And you know, he wanted wanted a Harkonnen to be on the throne. So you know, if that was the way to do it, that was the way to do it. So, speaking of. Like, weird motivations, though. The Emperor's motivation was, like, also very briefly mentioned and just passed over. Yeah, what the fuck was it? Was it, it that... I, I think it was that Leto was, like, too much of a voice of the Lords. Like, he was very influential with the Lords. I don't know if it was that, too. But and I know that at least a large part of it was that he had such a kick-ass fighting force. He did like, kick-ass he had force. Idaho, he had Halleck, and they were just, like, apparently fucking legends, and were legends. training all their men to be legends, too. Yeah, so, like, they, he, at one point they dropped it that, like, they were becoming the equal of the Emperor's Sardaukar. Which is surprising, because of what we know later about how the Sardaukar are created, which is, like, basically you raise them in a shithole where only the strong survive, and then you take the strong, tell them how special they are train the shit out of them and just make them like this insane su- semi-suicidal fighting force with unfettered devotion to the emperor like yeah. it's shocking that normal dudes who have been through semi-normal lives can be like they're equal but apparently they were yeah apparently they fucking kicked ass unfortunately there weren't enough of them yeah and they weren't quite the equal of the Sardaukar unfortunately <laughs> Not quite. And definitely not the Sardaukar, Five Legions of the Sardaukar, and also the Harkonnens. But it was weird, because they were talking about how the Emperor was like, oh no, he's like on this place where he's going to find like a great, uh, like more great fighting force via the Fremen. You know what I mean? Like that was brought up. I don't know if it was in the same conversation. Maybe it was like unrelated, but Leto was about to like, if he could have gotten the Fremen, oh shit, he would have been unstoppable like Paul was later. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that was his plan. I think his plan was to consolidate powers to the Harkonnen. Like, I don't think it even occurred to him that the Emperor would come after him, too. Uh, yeah, no, I agree. I don't think he knew it was the Emperor, because everyone was like, holy shit, Sardaukar! I didn't expect this! Yeah, like, what the fuck did... They would have been prepared if they had known that. Or, Maybe what? Well, I mean, or rather, if, if what they had thought was true was true, then they would have been prepared. Yes. But, yeah, so that, that is definitely a fucking of Leto. Also, Leto spent, like, a ton of his forces on that raid of the Harkonnens' uh, spice reserve, basically. That's true, but that did successfully fuck them over, so yeah, that helps. Yeah, they didn't tell us that was successful until, like, the end of the book. I forgot it happened. I knew they talked about planning. They were like, yeah, let's do this. All right, cool. And then they didn't bring it up again. <laughs> this until, like, the end. is, like, next level, um sort of back backdrop detail like not a lot of books are 
like this where you're just like, what's going on in that author's head? Like, clearly he knows more about this world than he's telling us. You know what oh, I yeah, mean? Oh, yeah, for sure. He has, like, ledgers of it, of notes written down, I bet. Yeah, he has, like, everything fleshed out. Everything. And, like, only some of it's even worth bringing into the story. Yeah. But I bet, like... He only, like, talks about what's relevant, you know? Yeah, I know. I bet, like, if prices of, like, you know, like, spice prices dropped on some backwater planet, it would affect, like, the economy of, you know, the Emperor's homeworld or whatever. Like, I don't know, like, I'm sure, like, there's such a level of interaction in the background that he's just not even bringing it up. But, like... Yeah. I bet he could, like, make that connection and know exactly why. Yeah. We should talk about the spice a little bit. Okay, yeah. Um... I want some spice. I'll <laughs> no, try it. It's a drug. <laughs> it seems like pretty tight. It seems pretty tight and it tastes like cinnamon, so that's cool too. Actually, no, have you ever gone like I want to eat cinnamon? Have you ever thought that in your life? Not straight up, but no one eats like spoonfuls of spice. No one's doing the spice challenge on fucking YouTube. <laughs> do you know how expensive that would be for one thing? Duke Leto could do it. Um, Paul could sure as fuck do it. Basically unlimited access to spice. Pretty fucking much. Uh, No, so it's like a really interesting concept because they kept calling it a geriatric drug, which I guess was a reference to its life-lengthening powers. Although, again, never discussed in detail like how that works or how long it works. You know, like what's old age in this universe? Unclear. It's extremely unclear, which is frustrating. It is. It is frustrating. Um... But the <laughs> the way it like ups your brain's processing power, it's kind of like like there's been a lot of shitty sci-fi movies made about the same thing, but this just escapes being shitty that somehow. Oh, the whole idea that like you're only using ten percent of your brain power. Yes, yes, exactly. What is that? There's like a TV like, show about it, Limitless. It's stupid, but the spice it's makes a it work. It's a horror movie about it too. A horror movie? Yeah, there's a horror movie about it. The girl, like, you know, they're unlocking her brain power or whatever. I don't know. It's dumb. Either way, it's a anyway. stupid myth. It's not true. And there's a lot of shitty movies with that, like, oh, you, you just do this. It'll make you, like, super brainy. And for some reason it works in this book. Probably because they don't do that whole stupid, you're only using 10% of your brain power thing. Yeah, it's like overclocking your processor as opposed to your processor is only using 10% of its memory space. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Which is, which is, you know, that's something I can get behind. So, And I can see why everybody would want well, it. That kind of adds credence. if you're not having it. Sorry, what? Well, I'm sorry, I missed what you said. Uh, I stopped talking to hear what you said. I think our connection cut oh. a little bit again. What were you saying? So what I was saying was it makes actually... So I was thinking of a, an alternate theory about the, the being able to see the future thing, the pro- mm-hmm. whole idea of prophecy here. Yes. But your idea of them like subconsciously processing all this shit makes more sense now. Oh, good. Because it was basically spurned on by, you know, by a sp- some sort of cocktail using the spice. Right. In the case of both the Reverend Mothers in the uh, Fremen culture and both the Reverend Mothers of the Bad Jesuit. Are they like not the same? Well, no, because the Fremen aren't getting Benny Jesuit, but they're making their own Reverend Mothers. You're right, Peach. You're right. I didn't really put that together. Like, I just think they're kind of getting their, um... Well, they I have the, what... that water of life, which gives you, like, stupid powers where you can fucking transform poisons into not poisons. 
and like adjust your yeah, metabolism modify the by molecular yourself. level. Yeah, what the fuck? That's awesome. Stupid powerful. Stupid but, powerful. So, but awesome. They only use the spice though, but the Bendy Desert have several other cocktails they could use. They just happen to use the spice more often. Okay, interesting. But they probably don't want to rely too much on the spice because they don't want to go all blue-eyed because then everyone's like, oh, you're an addict, you junkie. Uh, no, because that actually, apparently, once you use the spice to do it, it's the only way you can see the future. Oh, really? That was dropped at some point. Oh, I missed wait, that. When he was when he was threatening the um, the guild of to, to destroy the spice because the oh, guild, yes. we learn later, are able to do what they do because they can see the future. And yes. they can plot safe courses. I don't, but we'll talk about more about that in a minute. Yes. But that's the whole idea behind there. And he's threatening them, saying, hey, what, you know, there's other things you could use. The Benjamin's have other cocktails. But once you've used the spice, there's no going back. That's the only way you can do it now. Oh, so, shit. I don't know. I mean, I guess the Benny Jesuit don't regularly consume it. It seems like no one needs to consume it once they've kind of become a Reverend Mother. I think the guild is different. I don't think they're like quite become I don't think they're becoming, you know, like um Quisakaderak. They're just using a lot of the pri- the spice. They're just drinking they're just consuming it. They're not like Yeah, they're be- they're taking it in like massive quantities. Right. They're like oh they're taking like regular spice in massive quantities. That's some sort of weird cocktail. Cuz I don't think that Jessica needs the water of life to to do her prophecy and definitely Paul doesn't. But they do it they do the whole ceremony with the Water of Life only so that the, the people can have some sort of latent psychic connection. That's true, yeah. Because you're right, the uh, the guild have to keep it up, but like Jessica and Paul don't. They're just kind I, of covered now. I think just because the guild is just regular people. They're not, you know, Benny Gesserit. They're not definitely not the Quisacadarach. Um, They're kind of like belters, though, I think. Like, they're, they're you don't see guildsmen, remember? They're like yeah, weird mystery... So... Pseudo humans who have like evolved in space on like interstellar journeys. My theory is this: my theory is that people see guildsmen, but they're just told they're guilds, like employees, like they're just the. So at the end there, when they talk about how the one of the guildsmen, one of the, uh, the, the basically the, they do a shift at some point. So the two guys that were part of the entourage were basically what did they call them? The the guilds envoys, is it? Okay. Maybe. But they were not, they're not, guild. it was very clear early in the book. They're not guildsmen. They're just people that talk to the guild. They're like the brokers for the guild. Right. But one of those guys gets like a contact lens knocked out and you see blue eyes. Oh, so you think he was like a full guildsman. And... I, yeah, I don't think there are any brokers. I think there's just guildsmen in disguise. And people have this mythical idea of the guildsmen that they've kind of cultivated to make this super, you know, like... The guild is, you know, you don't know what kind of person a guildsman is, but they're just regular people, just they happen to have blue eyes. And when they want to, you know, go That's and really work among the people, they wear contacts. Because, like, cultivating an air of mystique is so important in this book. Like, everybody doing it. Absolutely. I mean, Paul's doing the religious mantle thing. Yeah, exactly. It's all about appearances in this book. Yeah, and it's like... So it's so weird because I don't fully understand the role religion plays in it. Because it's like, they're fulfilling prophecies. Is it because the Bene Gesserit were like, this is what we're planning to do. One day it's going to happen. But like, they didn't know that the Kwisatz Haderach would end up on Dune. You know what I mean? Like, but at the same time, Dune had all these legends like, oh, like... 
your whatever they called him like the off-planet speaker or whatever um will come and he'll know all your ways as though he was born to them and so on and so forth Right, like, right. is it just sheer coincidence that Paul fits all of those? Or is there, like, some element of realism in these prophecies? I mean, we don't know that the Vagers didn't know that like, they were going to end up on, uh, on Arrakis. Or not, not on Arrakis, on Arrakis. Huh? Yeah, on Arrakis. Like, we don't know that the Vagers didn't know that Paul was going to end up on Arrakis. I guess that's true. Maybe the Reverend that Mother mean, saw it. Yeah, but, exactly. Reverend Mother, or at least, here's the possibility. The Reverend Mothers see many different paths and possibilities. I'm assuming, like, Paul does, except apparently only the feminine ones. <laughs> yes. Which yes. Is a really, oh, it's a weird thing they drop super early on when they're explaining the, um, the what's the fucking um, Paul? They're explaining what Paul becomes. Quisat Tatarak. How do you not I hear the phrase like, "I am"? They're explaining the Quisat Tatarak. They're like, yeah. Time. Uh no. What? Sorry. Uh, I think our connection is so bad. No, no. You said this. you said the phrase. I am the Kwisak Tadarak in your mind. What? No, I'm saying, how do you not hear it all the time? It was like, if you asked me what I know about Dune coming into it, I would say sandworms and the phrase, I am the Kwisak Tadarak. <laughs> like, I, don't... I knew that weird-ass phrase. I don't have almost that nothing else. At all. Huh? You have no, have you've never heard that phrase before? All. That's so I, funny. No, I, well, I've heard it from the I've heard from the book, but I don't have like the I am the Kwisak, like my defining things I knew about Dune before reading Dune were not I am the Kwisak Haderach. What were they? Else. What were the things you knew um, about Dune before? There's you read lots Dune? of sand, <laughs> and space travel is fucking weird, and that's what I got. Did you know that? Yeah. Oh, what Nothing a weird thing guild, for you to know. But I knew that space travel was all fucking weird. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, so the guild. Is. Anyway. The girl plays a really interesting role. Um, oh shit, that's not even what we were talking about. <laughs> no, my point. No, my point about the Xadarak and the Bay Desert was the Reverend Mothers yes. probably saw many different futures and possibilities. One of them included the the Xadarak developing on Arrakis. So I think that's kind of why they they probably planted this race memory in all of the planets where there was a possibility. And I'm gonna be honest, it probably was a lot of planets. There's a lot of planets waiting for somebody from off world to come and save them from their oppressors. Yeah. You're and in a feudal society. Only nice ones. There's fucking every planet. <laughs> I wanna I do need to know like how big this universe is. I need to know that so badly. I also need to know if they know where Earth is. Uh and I need to know if like this is everyone. Like the Padishah Empire. Is that everyone? That's or are there cool. other, like, nations? I have a theory that there's, like, a civilization of robots just living on Earth kicking it. <laughs> like, we got what we wanted. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you fucking idiots. <laughs> we have water here. Sucks to suck, Dune. Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> the plant's not called Dune. Uh, I'm sorry. People call it Dune, though. It's colloquial to call it Dune. It's... All right. Um, real quick. Read, though. Huh? It's like calling America Mountain. <laughs> or amber waves of grain <laughs> waves for short it's just waves it's just shining seas <laughs> and the Atlantic is sea foam um this is stupid <laughs> yeah so is calling the planet dune okay what about calling the book dune is that okay yeah, what if the, the book was called, called Arrakis dune. what if the book was called Arrakis no one would the read it that called the fucking book Arrakis. 
it is funny because they like make a point of being like, yeah, everyone calls it Dune, but they almost never call it Dune in the book. Like every now and again, they call it Dune. They say the word Dune. I don't think they call it Dune. No, like once in a while, but not very often. Only the Harak, only the the Harkonnens with their off-worlder ways. Yeah, maybe the Fremen don't call it Dune, and as like our characters became more and more Fremen, they uh they stopped calling it that. Fremen are fucking badasses. Fremen are fucking badasses. Wait, can we talk about about how the? Yeah, let's talk about first off. Um, I love the idea of the still suit. Oh my god, I know. It is a fantastic it's, achievement of fictional engineering. It's so genius. And it's something I'm sitting there going, that's like, that's not impossible. It's very sensible. If we had a need for it, like, we could totally make a still suit. I, I honestly think it's we just, could. I mean, like, it don't, it doesn't seem like it would require that much more inventiveness from us. No, like, definitely, a, definitely like having the, um catching the air when you exhale and all that stuff makes a ton of sense and like using your the um motion of your stepping to pump the water and to power the still suit is really genius yeah that's clever that's very clever we could even use a i mean honestly we could use a battery pack if we needed to we don't mean like we could do it right now with a battery pack that's true too but, but then like it's... you might get screwed out of it the point is absolutely like, the Fremen are never going to count on not being in the desert. <laughs> that's, that's them. They're just like... Because, like, you hear them talking in the beginning about, like, oh, no, like, if somebody got caught outside, like, in the desert, I wouldn't expect them to last an hour. But the Fremen are just, like, rolling all the time, uninhibited, doing whatever the fuck they want in the desert, whenever they fuck they want, because they're Fremen. Because they're Fremen. They ride fucking sandworms. They ride fucking sandworms, Peter! I need a movie where I can see them ride sandworms! Honestly, though... That was also extremely well fleshed out. It made so much sense. Yeah, the segmented body, the sand, the sailor doesn't want to let sand into their fucking flesh, so they roll over. Brilliant. The way they steer them that way. Yeah, brilliant. Oh, it's awesome. Like check, got it. Moving on. Talk about cool. desert power. <laughs> yeah, fucking desert power. The fucking fremen. How about the fact that they they bleed, they blood coagulates in seconds. Yes, I forgot about that. They evolve so that they don't lose excess moisture that way. Like, what the fuck? Oh, I love them. They're great. I wouldn't want to be one because their life seems pretty fucking hard, but I love them anyway. How they seal seal caves so that there's no moisture lost from the cave. Yeah, and like, just the way they talk about, like, water discipline. The fucking genius of the wind trap. Which trap? The wind traps. Wind trap... Oh my god, I'm drawing a total blank. What is that? It's like how they have like these caves that are like tunnels that go down until the cooler ground. So they suck the water, air goes in from wind, goes down a shaft, and goes hits the ground basically at the bottom of the shaft where it's cooler and water condenses out and they capture the water. Yes, that is really cool. I must have missed like, the explanation on that. And then I just ignored it every so time they genius. said it the rest of the book. That is extremely genius. Yeah, and like I love it. I love it so much. The Fremen kick ass, and I'm proud of them. And I love them. And I love them. <laughs> and I would want to take care of them, except they clearly don't fucking need it. No, they do not need it. <laughs> they but think your waste of water is ridiculous. They would hate me. Fucking waste of water. <laughs> I even um, love the fact that they reduce people down to like to get the water out of Yeah, them. the flesh is theirs, but the water is ours. The water yeah, is the tribe's. Just, it's so good. Yes. I completely agree. They are I also love... I love how they're scheming to uh, 
to basically like terraform the planet one day. I know. I love that. Because they're like, even though we clearly don't need anyone's help, we still think that the world could be better for our children. And we're going to do it. Yeah. And it's just like, it's such a great thing. They're just like so into it. I don't know. I just, I really, they're just so into it. Like, it's just such a great, it's a great thing. And like everyone that has a people is devoted to this idea of gathering the water and they have it all measured down to a decaliter of how much water they need to fucking change the surface of the planet. Imagine having a collective dream like that. Yeah, across millions of people. That sounds nice. Does sound nice. <laughs> Can't do it within a political party, let alone a country. <laughs> it almost sounded like you were being ironic the way <laughs> the way you sort of emphasized that one. Sounds nice. Um, can we just like totally off topic? Can we talk about Yui for a quick second? Uh, what about him? It's, on top. it's off topic. It's about Dune. It's, okay, yes. That's true. <laughs> it's off the topic of Fremen. Um, Let's go off topic. My grocery list is. On the, on the topic of Fremen, I was really disappointed Kynes died, but it's okay. Um, because he, like Yui, died like pretty early on in the book when I felt like it was the end of the book. But you, the idea that like of, of conditioning is really interesting. And the fact that, like I guess, I guess there are normal doctors, and then there are conditioned doctors. And the conditioned doctors are the only ones that, like, noble families use? Does that make sense? Is that what's going on here? I guess noble families that can afford it. But, yeah, I, I, I think that's right. Because they're super trusted. Like, they can't poison you. They can't turn against you. And all that. Except that's it seems fucking... really easy to take one's wife and turn them against you that way. Yeah, that seemed pretty fucking weak. Like, He's yeah, like, oh, no. I came up with an innovation. I held a hostage. What? People have been appearing like people that way for millennia. There's like four movies on it right now. <laughs> There's the Taken series. <laughs> and that's just one series. That's just a that's... single franchise. There's a single franchise in the early two thousand or in the late two thousands. Or like when the fuck did this come out? Two thousand ten? Two thousand ten? Anyway. I don't care. I think about all the media that's been produced since then. Huh? All think about all the media that's been produced since then that the Harkonnens could have looked. Take a look at it and go, oh shit, let's just abduct someone. No, no, no. I know no. what to do. He has somebody he loves. Like, don't you think if they cared that much about their conditioning, it would be like a Jedi thing? Like, <laughs> you can't marry. Like, this is your whole life. Yeah, you can't marry. You can't like don't find love. You know, you don't need that. Um, you can't have that because it makes you like vulnerable. Yeah, like or they like you know just beat it out of you. I don't know. But, you would like, think. They're like, yeah, no, it's like totally open. This guy's a wife, and they took her. And oh no, now he's turning. Hey, whatever happened to Yui's wife? I don't know. (laughs) Fuck it. Yeah, no, you at least have better security for them. (laughs) (laughs) Like for real. How long has Yui's wife been in captivity? Like, did Yui come to the? Okay, hang on. There's like no timeline. So, was Yui's wife taken? He was placed with the Atreides. He, like, earned their trust over years, and then he finally made his move? Or was Yui's wife taken, like, a year ago when the Harkonnens started this plot? I think that's what it was. I know, I but, think like, it was, like, why like, a didn't nobody care thing. what happened to his wife? Why didn't anyone notice? You tell me no one was looking into his wife, who was a... Be- who was a Benny Yeah, I thought you guys were kind of, like, the shit and regulating your shit and keeping an eye on people. I thought you guys had everything on lock. 
Yeah. What the fuck? <laughs> like, that was probably guys, the weakest part of the storyline, honestly. That is it the, just doesn't I think make any sense. That's the only part of the storyline about, like, oh, yeah, okay. Like, I'm yeah, willing to believe that. Everything else, like, makes so much sense and is so well, like, sculpted. This this just doesn't seem correct to me. All right. I don't know, man. Fucking Dr. Yu. All right, CC. We are getting pretty long, and I'm worried it might not be able to upload if we make it too long. So. Okay, fair enough. Um, couple last things. The Litany Against Fear is awesome, and it is now, like, part of my life. <laughs> Which one is it? The Litany Against Fear. What is it? I will not fe- be afraid. Fear- I will not be like, fe- fear, fear is the, is mind, the killer. mind Fear is the mind killer. I will not be afraid. Or is yeah. it, I will, I will not fear. Fear is the mind killer. It is the little death. Oh, I didn't even have the end there. It is the, I like that, yeah. No, there's, like, several more lines. I'm just not going to recite the whole thing. I bet they're in the appendices. Uh, yeah, and, like, in the book several times. How, did you not notice the litany against fear? The whole thing? No, it was always, like, fear is the mind killer. Uh, no, the they always killer. said the whole thing. I don't believe you. Anyway. Um, no, now I'm gonna read it. Now I'm gonna fucking find it and read it, because it's so good. Alright, go for it. I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. That's a good lady against fear. So much better than St. Michael the Archangel. (laughs) No, it isn't. Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) Sidebar, I was cleaning my room today and I found no less than five Bibles. They always and, say Catholics don't care about the Bible, and yet we got and, a lot of Bibles. And a vial of holy water from the shrine of Saint Anne de Beaupre. Well, Peter, next so, time you're sick. Right now. <laughs> do I do I drink um, it or something? Like what do yeah, I do? With so it? like bless yourself with it? Oh, that doesn't seem very helpful. <laughs> Well, you don't know because you haven't tried it. That's why you have a full right. file of it. Okay, That's a good so point. last thing. Peter, I'm such a fucking idiot, and maybe you are too. Did you realize the extremely obvious oil analogy that was going on? You mean, like, the fact that there was the, the uh, fucking spice in a desert, and everyone was fighting over it? And, like, this whole super powerful society is dependent on it, and, like, the people who live where it's created are suffering... And, yeah. And, like, are totally chill with the desert and everyone's trying to enforce their values on them? Yeah. Did you did you read into that? Yeah. Did you notice that? What? I, I, I did notice. You did notice. Okay. Because yeah. it's like, I just saw it and I was like, oh, duh. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Why do I even have a podcast? I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> And welcome to the next episode. Peter will be discussing it by himself. <laughs> Susie has to sort of work things out for a while. Susie has some shit to sort through. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm such a dumbass. Um, but yeah, no, are, it's anyway, okay. it's pretty pretty good analogy. Sort of really uh-huh. tracks very well. <laughs> yeah, no, very thorough analogy. <laughs> Fuck, Susie. So that's, uh, I also like putting oil on my food. It's delicious. I- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is true. <laughs> I do love oil. 
<laughs> it just makes your meat so crispy. <laughs> Side note, I'm the only person who likes crispy meat, I think. Right, Shall we wrap so, up? Yeah, let's wrap up. Alright, so our next episode, <laughs> we decided we liked it so much, we're going to do another movie. And we think it'll actually be good conversation. Uh, we're, so we're going to do Jurassic Unlike Park. Unlike usually. <laughs> Unlike our usual movies. And, and, or no, actually, our last, movie, our last movie was kick-ass. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, it was a great movie, but it was like such so much more of an undertaking than we thought it was going to be. And this is a true lazy movie pick, so get ready. Buckle up, we're doing Jurassic Park, The Fallen Kingdom. Dr- excuse so, me? Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> Jurassic World, The Fallen Kingdom. My bad. So our hope is that there's enough... <laughs> new shit in it and kind of new questions being asked that's not just like hey let's open an amusement park for dinosaurs that's a bad idea oh it'll be fine nature finds a way that's every other jurassic park uh we're pretty sure this one is going to be di- a little bit different and we'll be able to get some uh, some different conversation in than no, the time we did the book ian malcolm is in it so it might be life finds a way who knows um well maybe either way maybe we're discussing it Either way, we're going to discuss it. It might be a 20-minute going, all right, fuck, so life finds shit, a way, I guess. there's nothing new. We did that. Maybe we just wanted an excuse to see this probably shitty movie. Uh, actually, I've heard it was pretty good. Really? I yeah. did see somebody post that it was their favorite entry in the Jurassic World or Jurassic Park franchise, and I still don't know if they were being sarcastic or not. <laughs> That's a bold claim. I guess we're going to find out, huh? Uh, yeah, f- uh, find out in two weeks when we cover it. Yeah. Well, we can have. All right, so um, so join us there. We get ready for that one. Um, all right, so if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us at uh, facebook.com forward slash sci-fi sidebar. You can email us at sci-fi sidebar at signifynothingnetwork.com. Um, you can go to signifynothingnetwork.com and poke around and uh, look at our website. There's so many options. Indeed. Create a forum. Have a conversation. Tell me what other really obvious analogies I missed. I, actually that's the only reason why i want listeners to like either i want listeners period but like i want them to like interact with us all this they can tell us when we're being dumb <laughs> we will rue the day that we said that if we ever get like a big audience oh, twitter active it's okay. audience it's okay there's no chance of that happening no so it's not safe. too likely <laughs> all right guys please share like us you know if you, if you enjoy us review. we've got some actually some pretty good reviews we don't have a lot of reviews but we have a couple and they're good yeah and uh, you, you know, so if if you enjoy us, go ahead and hit that uh that like that like button, that that subscribe button, that comment, that rate, you know, whatever on that Apple five star button, or that you know what, I'll take the four star button. Yeah, you know, I, I'll take I, it. A little a little constructive criticism never hurt anybody. But so help me if you do the one star, we'll find you. We will find you. All right, this has been Sci-Fi Sidebar, by signifying nothing. A tale told by idiots. Next time, guys.